0: Welcome to Season 5 of the For Jesus Podcast. I'm your host, Jeffrey Wilcoxon, and one of the lay elders here at Redemption Church Gateway. This season, we're going to interview the members of our elder team and their wives. Elders were mentioned throughout the Old Testament, yet were established as an official office within a local church by Paul in 1 Timothy 3 and Titus 1 of the New Testament. The Bible will also use the words pastor, shepherd, elder, and overseer interchangeably for the same role. Each season of the life, of life and Cultural Shift brings new opportunities and challenges for the leadership of any church, and we here at Redemption Church Gateway are no different. As we continue to navigate change while being faithful to Jesus, it made sense for our congregation to get to know our elder team on this season of the podcast. Today, I'm interviewing Seth and Taylor Trout. Welcome to the podcast.
1: It's good to be here, Jeffrey. Thanks.
0: <laughs> All right, a little family overview. How long you've been married, kids, pets, et cetera.
2: It'll be ten years in November.
0: Oh, congratulations! Yeah,
2: coming up on ten years. We have two kids: um, Jay's three and a half, and then Olivia is one and a half. And we have a dog named Calvin.
0: How's the dog doing? Great. Yeah,
1: <laughs> I find that I like him the more recent, more the more recently he had a haircut. You know, otherwise just kind of this like shaggy thing in our house. Ah, come on. How much do you think he weighs? Eight and a half pounds. Eight and a half. <laughs> Eight and a half. I, very just took, I just took him to the vet and, oh. and they had to weigh him to get his uh, vaccine so he could get his haircut.
0: Yeah. Wow. So how did you guys meet? How did it happen?
1: So we met in eighth grade.
0: Really? I wow. was.
1: I was uh, sort of going to church on Sundays and that's about it. Our youth group was on Wednesday nights. And a buddy of mine named John, who was uh, evangelizing me real hardcore in middle school, it was like, come to church, come to church, come to church. And I just had these, like, really negative, boring experiences of church. And I was like, why on earth would I do that more, not less? And (laughs) he eventually said, come, there's this, like, really hot girl i have a crush on. I was like, okay, I'll come for that. (laughs) And then he introduced me to this really hot girl he had a crush on, and her name was Taylor. Mm. And so, you know, uh, John and I had some tension in our friendship, but uh, we're good now. And I got connected to church and, and to Taylor, and I owe John a lot for that. Nice.
0: Which church which church was that?
1: That was Grace and Tempe. Okay.
0: Great. And who caught and so did you did she catch your eye first or did you did Seth, you know or did you catch his eye first?
2: He I mean he he was caught by me? Yeah, that, I probably <laughs>
0: didn't he, word that right. He
2: was <laughs> caught by me? He I, yeah. was, I was, caught him first.
1: Yeah, I was caught for about 5 years before she was caught. Oh, wow. Okay. Maybe wow. 4.
0: So how long did you guys just so you knew each other for about 5 years before it started getting before dating
2: yeah we hung in the same friend group so oh, okay. our, we went to youth group we were not at the same school but we were in youth group together so our friends hung out on the weekends and stuff and then um we did school dances we went to school dances together we have pictures and you know our homecoming gowns and he went to a few of mine I went to a few of his and then um we didn't start dating until our senior year of high school
0: oh wow mm-hmm. did you guys do a senior prom
2: we did two yeah two, two of
0: them wow took what, advantage of mine it. and hers where'd you guys go for dinner do you remember you know i can't remember
2: it was that airplane it was this airplane restaurant i think i just remember you ordered veal and i didn't know what that was
1: oh yeah that that was i ordered veal it was it was this italian joint at mesa airfield so oh, cool. kind of like a northeast mesa area it's like a overlooking a place because to to my prom we went just like two of us but to her prom, we went like did the party bus group thing. Oh wow! So we nice. had like kind of both prom experiences: the individual romantic and the group party thing. It was kind of fun.
0: Very nice. Yeah. And so, so then you started dating in high school, but then when did you guys get engaged?
2: After uh, college, so my final year, he he was at ASU. So I went to U of A. Um, graduated high school, I went to U of A. He stayed here at ASU, and. um we dated for four years throughout college, and then he proposed March maybe of my senior year.
1: March of her senior year. Yeah.
0: How was your time at U of A? Great. Yeah, I loved it. Is I it hate, a house? I hated it. Is it a house divided?
2: <laughs> yeah, I, I did <laughs> I did grad school at ASU, so there's a oh, little bit of a yeah pullback. But if there's ever a game on, I will root for U of A.
1: Oh wow. Yeah. No, fortunately. They both are really bad at basically everything, athletics wise. Yeah. So it's not like the rivalry is mostly for fun, not for real. If they were, if even their either basketball team is consistently good, I feel like it would be yeah, a different deal. But we maintain the rivalry mostly to keep up appearances.
0: Yeah. <laughs> wow. And uh, what'd you guys do for your honeymoon? Like, where'd you guys go anywhere fun?
1: I went to Jamaica.
0: Oh, really? Wow. Yeah, my- why, why Jamaica?
1: Uh, my aunt's a travel agent. She recommended it. Oh, nice.
2: Yeah. Somewhat we wanted somewhere far and somewhere tropical and somewhere with a beach. So. Nice. Yeah.
0: So you both, you both, are you both, uh, you both met at church, mm-hmm. uh, but like when did like Jesus get a hold of your heart and that moment of seeing the beauty of the gospel?
2: So for me, um, I started going to church in fourth grade and I knew, um, or oh, I'm sorry. I heard the gospel for the first time when I went to camp, which is actually the same camp that the junior hires go to. Oh,
0: cool! So it,
2: it was. It's fun being in that building because um, I have memories of being there. Like that's the first time I heard about Jesus and about God, and I just remember thinking like, "Oh, God is really big." Um, and then high school, I would say, is when I started believing the gospel. Mm. Um, I was pretty involved in our youth group, and our we had a small group we called a D group. Um, and I had some solid mentors there. So that was pretty great. And then in college, I was a part of uh, Campus Crusade. Yeah. Um, and also had some pretty solid mentors there. So I feel like that was really influential for my faith.
0: Well, that's awesome. Yeah. So I've learned that Campus Crusade and InterVarsity... Mm-hmm. have very different vibes at the different colleges. So, oh,
2: really? Okay. So up
0: at Flagstaff, InterVarsity was like kind of all the hippie kids, and Crusade were all the preppy kids. Oh, okay. But then I've heard it flipped at other universities where Crusade is like all the hippie kids, and InterVarsity was like all the preppy kids. So what was it like down at U of A? I,
1: I'm mostly surprised that there are some non-hippie kids at NAU. <laughs> <laughs> there <Is> are. That's <laughs> a small minority, powerful, vocal. You know, I have to write that down because I'm to have to, <laughs> I have to re- rethink my... Uh, ASU schools. Yeah.
2: You know, to be totally honest, we, there was, I remember doing an event like together. um, And I had friends in university. And so I thought they were really similar, at least at U of A. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Okay. Um, I didn't get different vibes. I honestly thought, oh, I could be in either. I just found crew first. I did, I would say like, oh, I'm in crew. And a lot of people would think I was like in rowing. (laughs) Yeah. Um, When
0: they changed their name because they didn't want to be associated with the crusades of of the european that's why they, ch- they to, changed your name
2: oh i didn't even know that
0: oh yeah yeah there was <laughs> like you know there's a little history bad history around the crusades yes. and things that we did in the name of the of jesus with swords um but yeah that that was kind of why they changed their name to oh. crew mm-hmm. so but i can now see that definitely being yeah a lot of confusing people like, oh you row
2: you and row I that's like, amazing what does that mean <laughs> so yeah
0: what what about you seth
1: i i've we grew up in church and I remember internalizing all the stories and hearing all the stories. Uh, But I remember not liking anybody at the church and thinking they're kind of unfun Mm. stuffy. Uh, My family in particular is part of this like family Bible class Sunday school thing for a while. And I just remember like the heads of the house were very like intense Mm. and like the women weren't allowed to speak and there was like no makeup and, it was like it was like the take yourself seriously group within the church mm. and like we were like and i just remember thinking it was weird and my family didn't really fit in we we're the only ones who went to public school and and just thinking like i don't really like this stuff and and it just seemed like it wasn't working whatever it was like all this like gospel grace stuff mm. and i remember being at a camp and all the all the kids having like uh spiritual highs emotional highs and just thinking these these fools you know <laughs> they they're just whipped up, yeah, and stirred up, and like at the end of that camp, I, I had a pretty uh, like, from God moment where they're singing this song like, uh, "I'm lost without you, I'm desperate for you," and everyone's like worshiping and singing, and I just like beginning of the song thought everyone here is stupid besides me, <laughs> and like by the end of the song I was like, I am a, an idiot, and I think I'm better than everybody, and mm-hmm. I'm not, I'm the same as everybody and this is true, and I've been fooling myself, and I'm pretty sure that was at summer camp, eighth grade, and then I probably had a couple of similar, like, doubling down of faith experiences uh, through, at camps in high school, and then, uh, like, a lot of my friends were leaving the faith, or, like, at least, like, uh, in action, and then, like identity leaving the faith and having like kind of doubling down experiences. Yeah. So there's, there's camps are very central to like, I feel like the hook getting in my mouth and (laughs) and God getting me into the boat, uh, probably similar to Taylor.
0: Yeah. Wow. So uh, did you have a career path before ministry? Like you become a believer and I've, I've some of us probably listening to this have heard the story. Like that guy can't preach. I can preach better. And maybe I should just go preach. But did you have another, kind of career path in mind
1: before ministry? Uh, my dad's a PE teacher, and, you know, he's home at 3 o'clock, soon to enjoy enjoys life, coaching sports. Sounds great. And I remember thinking, like, what my mom and dad have seems pretty good, and I guess I'll, I'll, so I was thinking maybe I'll be a PE teacher, uh, but then I thought um, I'd like to make a little more money than a PE teacher, so maybe I'll be a therapist. And I, already in high school I had this weird thing, where like all the people would come to me and tell me all the worst things that had happened to them. And I remember talking to my wow. youth pastor about it. Like, yeah, so-and-so told me she's cutting herself. And so-and-so told me that, uh, you know, he has all this like weird sex stuff going on. And so-and-so told me that, uh, you know, his, his the mom hit, hit his dad. And, you know, and, like I'm going to my youth pastor and i like, what do I do about this? You know, I had kids in the middle school telling me when I was in high school that they were suicidal. And I just remember thinking, this is kind of weird. And then I thought maybe I should be a therapist because clearly yeah. people think I they should tell me their problems. And so I had a undergrad was a... Uh, My first major was psychology and then I added philosophy to it and thinking I'll be a therapist or a history teacher. Mm. Either way, I knew like I'm going to go and get another degree after this because to be a therapist, you have to get another degree. And I remember my dad saying on the teaching scale, it really helps your pay scale if you get a master's like, well, I'll just knock that out as fast as possible because I was going to graduate early and I'll just like rope it in. Yeah. So I remember picking those thinking I'm going to go to grad school uh, doing that. And then I was serving at the church a bunch, doing music stuff and leading college stuff, just serving. But I always thought that being a church person and serving in the church was going to be at most part time, re- definitely not like a career vocational path. So I really believe the gospel and really believe in the local church. And our church has always seemed starved for leadership. And it wasn't until, yeah, I remember hearing like a certain amount of like really bad sermons in a row that I would, like honestly thinking kind of economic terms, like these people are getting paid to do this badly. <laughs> I, I don't know if I'd be good, but I remember my dad saying something similar, like, man, if someone gave me 20 hours prayer, to prepare talk, I would at least have my step stuff together, yeah. <laughs> you know? And so thinking, so there's something pragmatic to it. Like, um, uh, so people ask like, what was your call to ministry? Remember yeah. my youth pastor, John Heston called me and, said of asked me if I want to be the music guy for the high school. So that was my call into ministry. Yeah. <laughs> and and then I pivoted to more of the preaching cuz I remember I like someone let me do a a lesson for the first time and I was like I had to work very hard to be adequate musically and my first sermon I felt like oh this is a lot easier for me than doing the music stuff. Yeah. And so I remember telling the the executive pastor of the church like hey I'd like to change my direction on my church service said, well, you really need to go to seminary. I remember like that next week, John Delhusse, uh, who I just did one of the King Culture podcast episodes with on mm-hmm. Revelation was guest preaching at Redemption Church. not he was guest preaching at my my church, um, Grace Community Church. Yeah. And he preached afterwards. I went up to him and was like, Hey, what do I need to study to go to seminary? My undergrad right now is philosophy and psychology. And he said, That's the perfect undergrad. Uh so yeah, you don't really need to have a good GPA. You just need to have a plan to pay for it. And so I went and negotiated with the folks at the church. Um, hey, can you pay for my seminary instead of like giving me a raise or something like that? And so then I went towards the preaching, teaching, leading route.
0: Wow. Were you guys dating at this time when you've made this this change? And and what did you think when he came to you and was like, "I think I'm gonna be a pastor, preacher."
2: <laughs> um, I don't. I don't really. I feel like it was like cool. I didn't really, I feel like people will ask me like, did you, did you think you'd married a pastor? And it's like, no, but I married Seth (laughs) and he's a pastor. So, um, yeah, I don't really, I don't, I didn't have any like bad thoughts or reservations. Yeah. Yeah. Like, cool. Good for you.
1: Yeah. I feel like she's as much a pastor's wife as I am a speech therapist husband. (laughs) The, the biggest difference is uh, you don't have to do any podcasts when you're a speech therapist husband. So <laughs> Not yet.
0: Not yet. Yeah, we'll see. It's coming. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Season one of Taylor's new podcast.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> um, so what does your typical week look like, Seth, here on staff?
1: Uh, usually um, the office is like Monday to Thursday. I usually get to the office between 7 and 7.30 and leave between 3 or 3.30 That's like my typical work hours. Most folks get in like an hour and a half, two hours after that. So I kind of get some quiet time to study and read and work on stuff before folks kind of trickle in and out. There's a lot of people in and out of the office all week long, which is great unless you're trying to do deep work or think and feel deeply about a text. Mm. It's kind of difficult. And then every other Friday we do elder meetings, uh, usually 530 to 7 ish. And then... Sundays I'm usually here, about 7 o'clock until about 12.30, and then again from about 3 until about 5.30 or so. Mm. And then midweek there will be stuff going on usually. You know, about one night a week there's something. Uh, and so it, it it's generally flexible, but that's the most predictable. That's the ordinary week, I'd say.
0: Yeah. Are you preaching about, what, what do you think, 35 40% of the time? Yeah, pretty
1: close. Yeah. I think
0: Educate educated guess. Yeah.
1: Some of what we've said, told Luke that the minimum he can do is I think 34 or something like that, or 32, I forget. Like, mm. Hey, for, as a lead pastor, you really can't preach less than this. Yeah. So I think it was like 30 or 32. And then, so I end up doing 16 to 19 mm. and we have someone else three or four times.
0: And I'm assuming your week looks different when you're preaching that Sunday.
1: Yeah, it really depends. Like uh, when we preach through 1 Samuel, 2 Samuel, it took me like like four times my usual sermon prep. Mm. Like when we preach through John, my sermon prep took me three to four hours a week because John is easy. The Greek is easy. His points are right there. (laughs) Uh, It's not a lot of text. And so now we're doing Revelation, which is... More difficult, like a lot of work on the front end. So on weeks when I haven't preached in the past, it's like I'm working on Revelation six months out. Oh, wow. Trying to get my head around it. You know, they, so it really depends on what, what it is we're preaching. But now it's uh, like Luke has asked me to do a lot more like writing and producing of general supplementary content. So I kind of keep study days. And some of those study days are sermon prep. Some of them are content prep.
0: Yeah. What uh, when people find out that you're a pastor, like what's the typical misconceptions about your your role or your work week?
1: People uh, well, see sides that you only work on on Sunday. Well, the first thing they do is they apologize for the cuss words I've just said in the last three minutes. That's usually <laughs> the first thing. Like we were just in Cancun for on sabbatical and for like our tenth anniversary, and it's, someone found out I was a pastor, and he's like, "Oh, I guess I can't buy a drink." And sorry for all those f words. You know, that's like the two. <laughs> Which is funny, you're at an all-inclusive resort, and nobody can buy anybody a drink. So that's <laughs> a funny move. Uh, yeah, work week wise, at this point, people have like no preconceptions. Like maybe one time, like it was honestly when we we're on our honeymoon in Jamaica. There's some Canadian guy who's like, haha, you work one day a week," and that was ten years ago. Yeah, most people are like, "What? Huh? What is that like?" Like they don't, mm. they don't have a lot of imported uh, assumptions there. Yeah. They they might assume that I have to be available all the time for anybody who wants to call me about anything. Mm, yeah, yeah. Wow, do you get time with your family at all?
0: You're on call twenty four seven.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, no. Most people don't want to know what I think about most of their life. So there yeah. you go.
0: <laughs> so Taylor, we already talked about that uh, you're a speech uh, speech pathologist,
2: speech language pathologist. Yeah, speech language pathologist. And how
0: long you been doing that?
2: Um, goodness. Eight years, eight seven years? years, seven, eight years. Yeah. Yeah. And
0: What what drew you to that career? It's um, fascinating.
2: Yeah, actually, it wasn't. I didn't plan on doing it. Um, when I went, when I was in college, I had an undergrad with um, family studies and human development. Super general. Thought I wanted to work with kids, but I knew I didn't want to be a teacher, partially because my sister is thirteen months older than me, and I feel like everything I did was exactly the same that she did. And she was going to be a teacher, and so I had to do something that was slightly different. But, um, but I knew I wanted to work with kids, so that was my undergrad, and um, was studying that, and I was on scholarship, and I was going to, the way that the credits had worked out, I was going to graduate a year early, and a friend of mine was doing speech and hearing sciences. The undergrad is both speech and hearing sciences, um, and she said, I think you would just like these classes Um, and my dad is really hard of hearing. So I was like, oh, it'd be just interesting to learn about, um, and send in some classes and it's, you know, paid for, so I'm going to do it. And then, uh, my junior year, I started the classes and I fell in love with the study. And then I basically piled on a bunch of classes to be able to graduate with the undergrad.
0: Mm. So imagine I'm five, try to explain like exactly what you do and, and the outcome you're trying to achieve.
2: Yeah. So, um, it's a wide array of a lot of people just think a kid can't say a sound and you teach them how to say a sound. And I do that. Yeah. I do do that. Huh. Um, but so right now I work in a preschool um, in the Higley School District and I work two days a week. And so one of those days I work with kids who just like it's called articulation. They can't say mm. a certain sound. And so we work on where do you put your tongue? Where do you put your you know mouth? How do you say that sound? Um, it's a lot of practice. And then the other day, I'm in a classroom with kids who have higher needs, like higher communication needs. Some of them have no words at all. And so they use wow. uh, like a um, like a computer, or you call it an AAC device, that helps them to speak. Some of them use pictures. Um, and then some of them do have words. And so they're just working on being able to expand their vocabulary, like expressive communication, how they're expressing themselves, and then receptive, what they're understanding.
0: Mm. So Yeah. So Jay seems very verbal and I'm, I'm assuming that's, that's just because the two of you, the way that you communicate with each other and probably the way you communicate to him. But do you think your, um, kind of career and education has led him to be more verbal or do you think it's just natural the way your, your two personalities are?
2: I'm sure it has. I'm sure there are things that I do um, that I don't realize I'm doing. Even my sister has said that <laughs> when she'll come into town and she'll say like, oh, my daughter is speaking so much more now that we just stayed at your house for a week, you know, that kind of thing. Wow. But uh, at the same time, he, uh, Seth was very verbal as a kid. Uh, what When you were three or something, some lady at church said to his mom, your kid's going to be a pastor because he s- speaks so much. Um, so I do think there's some of it that's, Innate, you know, that Jay would have been a verbal social kid anyway. Mm. Um, so yeah.
0: do people have any misconceptions about your career or about what you do?
2: I think mostly just that I only do the sound, mm. you know, like just teach a kid what to say or how to say the sound. I think a lot of people don't know um, the, the language piece of it. So it's like speech and language therapy So the language piece where you're trying to just help them learn vocabulary, you're trying to expand their sentences, that kind of thing.
0: Yeah. What do you guys like to do together as a couple or as a family for fun?
1: Well, today we went to the zoo. So a lot of it's right at this point as a family is controlled by what do one and a half and three and a half year olds like to do? (laughs) So there's a kid's empire, jump parks, our kids like the play area at Mountainside Fitness, you know, like. Which I think is the third time I've mentioned mountainside. Yeah, I was gonna, gonna, gonna say podcast. this yeah. this bon- uh, podcast was sponsored by. <laughs> yeah, so the so that's a big part of it. We, you know, what do the kids want to do when it cools off? It's like we like going to the parks. Why? Because the kids play and we can talk to each other. Mm. You know, and so that that's part of it. I think Taylor and I both we really like uh, Mexican food and cocktails, and we like going to the gym together. That was like part of our early marriage experience when we're both in grad school. It was, it was kind of like. Driving and from the gym together, so there's that. Uh, we like uh, having folks over our house hosting; it's a big part of it. Yeah, hospitality. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Taylor Taylor's a great hostess, and I like cooking big pieces of meat.
0: What makes her a great host or hostess?
1: Uh, mostly like her, her warmth. Like I think mm. I think there's uh, like uh, people feel at ease with her pretty quickly. That's huge. I think people have a harder time feeling at ease with me because I just <laughs> kind of my face looks like the way it looks. <laughs>
0: But they don't have a problem telling you, uh, you know, all the horrible things
1: yeah, in their my, life. But. My my po- <laughs> my poker face is real good, so if someone nice. tells me something like, "I really feel like you weren't judging me," and I'm like, "Well, I'm glad that you feel like I wasn't judging <laughs> you." Because know? in my heart, <laughs> yeah, 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 different story. Yeah. I've, I've had I've talked to someone before who like this was more recently. He he like left his wife for no reason, and mm. and he that's like the way he explained it. Like I just didn't like her anymore, and yada yada yada, and. He quit ministry and remember him saying at the end, like, I just really feel like you're not judging me. And I said, I just want to be clear. I'm judging your actions. You know, mm. So <laughs> I know my face doesn't look like eyes wide shocked, you know, so. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I kind of operate a little with more intensity socially, which is like initially off-putting unless someone really yeah. wants, Once that. Was, I think Taylor's a great. A, a, a warm blanket of hospitality. So
0: let her be at the front door and you'll be in the back cooking something and they they can get some warmth before they, yeah. Ex- yeah, they, they experience they get, they, your, you can smell your... the
1: candles. They can see the <laughs> nicely folded uh, blankets. They can uh, make sure it's the right temperature in the house. They can yeah. feel at ease. And then I'll say like, so tell me about your relationship with your father. And then it's like, <laughs> Oh, well, I was, wasn't ready for that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh gosh. We had, uh, when my brother and I were young, the pastor who brought my father or presented the gospel to my father would always say how's your how's your walk with the lord right now and you're 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 seven you're like um i you know so yeah medium medium (laughs) um so how how do you feel how does god use your marriage to help you guys grow and grow closer to him
2: um i feel like it's there are several things um Well, I'll just say that when we came to Gateway, uh, they made Seth take this Enneagram test. Mm. and um, They. They. Who's (laughs) the they they there? Made him take this Enneagram (laughs) test, and he came home, showed me the results, and he was like, this is the coolest thing, and was kind of giving me an overview of it, and it it tells about um, ways he makes decisions and kind of like gut things about him. And this, at this point, we had been married several years, but it was very even eye-opening for me Mm. to see some of those things and realize in myself, uh, similarly, like with looking at some of these characteristics about myself and see how we differ and see ways that we can, um, I guess, get frustrated with each other. Or for me personally, it was like, oh, this is really helpful for me to see how you respond to this because now I know I should not be so frustrated when you do X, Y, and Z. Um,
0: That's good. Yeah. And and it gave you like a language, right? Like it's almost like a shared language or a common language of terms of personality and how they, how he processes information or.
2: Yeah. I get the one, the main one for me is in our decision-making. We make decisions very differently. He mm. is very quick to make decisions. It was one of our biggest arguments was our wedding registry when we were going to register and at this point, I mean, we're, we've been dating for a while, but I feel like we've never had to make these life decisions, if you will. Um, and so we went into the store and he's like, get the little clicker thing and we're looking and he's just click, click, click. And I'm like, no, you can't do it like that. Cause for me, I want to make sure I'm thinking through the decision and making yeah. the right decision. Um, and so I, that I feel like as a simple example plays yeah. out in several ways in different ways in marriage. And so I feel like even recognizing some of those char- characteristics in him and then, and myself as well.
1: Yeah. I'd really remember that wedding registry is this like pretty massive fight slash argument, whatever it was, especially in that point too. when like, when we'd start fighting to would just shut down and kind of get teary eyed mm-hmm. and that would be all aggressive. Like what's wrong? What's the problem? Tell me what happened. And you know, let, let it, and she, I was just like, so I'd like chase her and like you, you chase the rabbit into the hole, you know, and it's like, no, it's not working. And so I remember leaving that. she has been like, okay, so I'm impatient. She's indecisive. We're the worst, you know, and, <laughs> and you just kind of like speak, which those things I think are true. You know, there's, there's like a, I feel like we're going to make a, like waste of time. Mm. We're going to talk about this and make it just, a minute, and she's trying to make the right decision. I'm just trying to like make a decision, you know, the only bad decision decisions, unmade one, you know, let's hurry up, you know, and, and remember like that Philippians two, consider others more significant than yourselves. And that was kind of the first time I had to like live in that because mm-hmm. with like friends, if like you kind of have that conflict when you're 18 and, or 19, it's like, all right, well, I guess I just don't click with that guy on to the next one, you know? And, but it's like, I'm trying to like live my whole life with this person. I better try to actually understand the flinches, the reactions and, and at least I have this like issue of being very unself critical. Mm. Like I think of course my gut reaction is the best, <laughs> you know, like I, I believe all my beliefs all the way until I don't. <laughs> and then, <laughs> and so I feel like having to work through that and even just learn like a, how my disposition and demeanor makes her feel and how to like not just like let myself loose in the name of authenticity, mm. but, like, be a servant in interactions. Like I think I had no gear for that for anybody, and I feel like I had to learn that with Taylor, and now I have it for most people. So so I feel like it's in that conflict where you're going. It's like the – I we had this friend named Jericho who was really close to us for a while, and he was saying, like, all the best dramas. Uh, he, he was a master's of fine arts guy, writer. And he said all the best conflicts are right versus right. Hmm. It's not like it's not just true good versus evil, because that that's a, not an interesting story. Because you know who the bad guy is, you know who the good guy is, but it's like when it's like in romantic comedies or in dramas, like when they just miss each other and oh, if they could just get on the same page, you know, the right versus right. Yeah, and we're thinking that, like we're we're kind of doing right versus right conflict here, and I need to figure out how to just adjust my puzzle pieces. Mm.
2: Well, and I feel like it helped give the language, like you said, but it also helped me be more curious to at least understand and know him better of why is he doing, or why is he reacting this way? Um, yeah, so it was helpful.
0: So you guys are coming up on a decade of marriage. Like what, what advice would you have? Like if you had like a young couple sitting down, and you guys grab some coffee or a cocktail, and they're like, okay, we're getting ready to get married. Like what are the top two or three things we ought to be thinking about? Like Taylor, what comes to your mind?
2: The thing that we always write, well, maybe I shouldn't say it, but we'll always write in a wedding card if we go to a wedding is never stop dating.
1: Yeah. So,
2: um, And I feel like Seth does a great job at that, of um, like continually pursuing me. And so I feel like he's really good at putting a date on the calendar, or finding a babysitter and making sure it happens. Um, and I feel like it's really valuable.
0: Nice. What would you
1: add? Yeah, the if someone is like in that season and knows not a very public podcast environment. <laughs> probably, there's, there's this Greek philosopher named Heraclitus who talked about how you can't step in the same river twice because it always changes. Mm. Like it's always different. It's always new water. And, and it's the same with your spouse. Like you never have a conversation with the same spouse twice. You never have sex with the same spouse twice. You never uh, parent with the same spouse twice. Like, mm. and so because your spouse is always changing, you always have to be learning. And so that's like, stay curious Stay learning. As soon as you feel like you got your spouse all the way pegged, you're going to become uncurious and presumptive and say always and ever, and it's going to not go very well. But I think seeing your spouse is always changing actually makes marriage way more interesting because there's always kind of... like I think people talk about losing that initial spark of excitement or whatever. It's because in that for initial dating, you're like, oh, this person's so interesting, I'm just getting to know them. And then... But I think if you really approach your spouse correctly, that's always the case.
0: So is Taylor different today than she was when you married her? Oh, for sure. But something's the
1: same, too. Yeah, she's she's the same and she's different. Yeah. It, the only person who's the same all the time is Jesus. And she has some similar, very great ingredients. <laughs> and some, like, even just seeing, like, how parenting changes you. And, like, uh, we have this, like, like terrible bonding moment. I remember we are like, trying to change Jay's diaper when he's like nine days old, and he's like screaming his brains out and wailing. And like, there's a Bible verse that's like, Weep with those who weep. And I'm like, This is the dumbest Bible verse ever for like a newborn baby. (laughs) You know, like, I need to (laughs) just do what I want. Let me do it. And, and I'm like, taking my clothes off because I'm sweating through my shirt because I'm like, a feeling of incompetence makes me sweat. And Taylor's the same way. She's like, Hi, but I read the book and they they didn't have this, you know? (laughs) So, (laughs) so we, our, our, uh, I think this bonding over like the exposure of our weaknesses mm. and like in safety and, and graciousness. Yeah. So I feel like you get to see, like nobody will ever get to see Taylor at two 30 AM trying to change a newborn diaper. Like, so there's the stuff that like only I get to see and experience that is part of like the connectedness.
0: Yeah. It's amazing how change happens through kids mm-hmm. and just parenting them through the different, you know, seasons. So it's, it's a blast. So, Seth, uh, being on the elder team, so we have kind of two categories. We have uh, staff elders and we have lay elders, and you're a staff elder. Uh, These past five years have been quite interesting. Uh, Let's see, global pandemic, an election, uh, race riots, um, lots of unrest. Like, what have you learned (laughs) as, as being part of the elder team going through some of these bigger cultural moments and decisions we had to make?
1: Yeah, so I joined the elder team in the middle of the COVID stuff. So I've been on the staff at the church about seven years, and I've been on the elder team about three, maybe two and a half. I'm not totally sure. And the biggest thing that I've learned is uh, how critical it is to have good culture and relationships among the elder team. You know, the as a staff person first, and now as a you know the the youngest elder both in terms of my age, but also in terms of my amount of time on the board. I'm youngest by both measures. Uh, seeing, like, the, the warmth and the prioritization of shepherding each other over and against even shepherding the church, that healthy shepherds shepherd in health. And so there's 50% of the time in eldering, elder meetings is shepherding each other, which uh, on, like, a per-person basis is technically a huge waste of time. You know, mm-hmm. you spend 50% of your elders' time shepherding eight people over and against 2,000. You know, but there's, like, the, the trickle-down effect of, of health. Um, I've, yeah, I've learned the importance of friendship in those contexts and environments. And, like, on the staff side of things, sometimes, like, friendship can get in the way of sober judgment. You know, when someone's, like, employment, there's, like, an employee boss... And the employees like not hitting measures or is not doing their job that sometimes if like too good of friends that can like inhibit sobriety. But on the other side, it's, it's like different. It's like the, the richer the relationships, the, the better, the push and pull, the better, the argument, the better, the point counterpoint. Cause there's more security, more safety, mm. more willingness to disagree. Um, and, and just the, Like, at my old church, there's, like, rotating elders. Like, like if people had terms, and they rotated on and off, that type of thing. And that seems like there's wisdom. I'm sure there's pros and cons to every structure. Uh, but what you lose is, like, the longevity and the been through it together and that type of stuff. And the thing I appreciate about our elder team in particular is just how different all the, all the folks are.
0: Yeah, we are pretty diverse. Yeah,
1: you have, like, Bruce Gilmore, who's, like, operations guru. Uh, you have Jimmy, who's, like, small business owner, you have a marketing agency (laughs) guy, you know, you have uh, a utilities uh, person, you have church employee, you know, you have this kind of like breadth, uh, you know, in technology travel, you know, so there's like a diversity of, and I, I just, I would just say what they do, but I feel like what you do kind of shapes your personality or at least what you do is largely picked by your personality, so, so it, it kind of representative of some of the idiosyncrasies. And so, like even going through COVID, you have the operations guy who works at a hospital, yeah, and you Amazing. have, the, and you have the small business owner, and you have the marketing guy, and they're just all going to have different first flinches on it, and different priorities, and that's really annoying to me, who likes fast decisions and efficiency, and who wants my gut flinched to win the day all the time. And it's like, that's one of those, like, if that's a good example of like, if I haven't, if I hadn't like really learned to have to like sit through that type of conflict about decision-making with Taylor, I think I would have been kind of uh, quickly voted off the elder team <laughs> in some of those <laughs> deliberations. Cause I've just been like, this is all a waste of time. Why are we talking about it? who has different pains than me? So, so that's a lot of my, I Taylor, what did
0: you think when Seth came home and said, hey, I think they want to add me to the elder team? What did you think?
2: I think it's great. Um, I appreciate, I think all the men in the group are awesome. And so honestly, just from a personal standpoint, it's it's great to have him surrounded by great people. Um, other than the early meetings on Fridays, <laughs> I think it's great.
0: Yeah, I'm not a fan either. Luke's been trying to make turning me into a morning person for a long time, and he's 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 making some strides, but I still yeah, I'm not a fan of that early in the morning. So, um, has there been any like misconceptions or like expectations you had about being on the elder team that's been
1: different? None in my head, some in my heart. Like I think growing up at a church and hearing the term the elders thrown around is like the the uh, buck stops with me veto or the buck stops with me like this is happening the elders decided and it's just like it's them you know it's these dark misty room those people over there and especially like at a time when i was at grace which like not to like blame anyone in particular but we're cutting budget every year and so it's the oh, elders are deciding wow. how much we're having to cut and then i'm having to like offboard people oh i get i get 23 i'm firing people because the elders said the budget's this. And I wasn't, like, in the conversation, so I just kind of got told decisions and had to, like, execute. Like, they're a little more, like, involved in, like, the execution of things, implementation of things. And so I had this, like, nervous system reaction to the term elders. And there's a while where, like, I know, but it's, like, the elders are meeting to talk about whatever. And I would, I would, I told Luke this. I would, like, close my eyes and go, Jeffrey Wilcoxon, Jimmy Lau, Rob Horn, Bruce Gilmore, Mike. Re- and I would, like, say their name. Bill Anderson. This was at the time, you know. And, like, these are ordinary guys who love the Lord and love the church. And and so, like, I would have to, like, because when I heard the term the elders, it was, like, gut reaction. Blech. But mm. when I thought of the individuals, I was, like, oh, I'm happy there are elders. and I'm happy these are them. And so on an emotional heart level, that's been, like, part of my own growth process the last five years yeah. is to be less... Triggered by the word elders.
0: <laughs> Taylor, do you feel like your relationship to the congregation has changed
1: differently, you know, changed once
0: you became an elder?
2: No.
1: About
0: the same?
2: No, about the same, yeah. I. Uh,
1: you probably had a pretty big change when you joined students. I don't know if you want to talk about that.
2: Yeah, well, I just feel like in general, I feel like Gateway, that was one point I didn't, I loved sabbatical. It was wonderful, but I missed the home, like having a home church. And I do feel like when, since being at Gateway, I have enjoyed just feeling like I'm a part of Gateway. And I don't feel like him joining the elder team means one thing or another. Um, I feel like we've had a small group and we've loved everybody in there. I did join students, let's see, two years ago, um, three, maybe about three. um, And I've met through that. I mean, I love my students. My girls are ninth grade girls now, which is, feels really old. (laughs) They're all (laughs) high schoolers, but uh, I also got to meet a bunch of new mentors, or to me they were new, um, and so I just feel like being involved in a different way in the church, and just like seeing the church be the church has been really fun, and I love it. So, yeah.
0: well, thank you for serving. on Oh, Kids.
2: absolutely. Oh, it's great. It's it's fun.
0: Can you can you look down the corridor of time and see the the all these girls as as like seniors and like what that's going to be like?
2: Can no, you imagine it's wild to, that they're <sighs> even ninth grade. I joined when they were at the end of their sixth grade year. Oh wow! And so I, I joined a little bit later. Um, but it's so it's fun that they're all high schoolers now. It's fun to watch them mature.
0: What is what is what's something I don't know about mentoring young ladies?
2: Oh goodness, I, I don't know. <laughs>
0: I mean, I've raised a daughter, but mentoring because it's it's a different kind of relationship, and so. I mean, or I guess, what what do you find enjoyable about mentoring ninth grade girls at this moment?
2: For right now, I feel like, because we just had Fuse, mm-hmm. and I feel like for us, it was, each year gets better and better, but I feel like part of it is watching their relationship grow with each other. And we had, we had 14 girls, which is a lot of girls, and it's kind of a lot for them to even connect with each other. Yeah. But I feel like they do a great job of, um, especially when we'll sit down all together in a small group and- and they'll listen to one another and they'll, you know, ask questions, engage and stuff like that. So I feel like as they get older, I love watching them grow, even in that aspect of watching them grow with one another and kind of connect more and more together.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. So I know you talked about it on the King of Culture podcast, but you guys had a sabbatical. And I say you guys, because I know it was something that you both obviously enjoyed and probably looked forward to. But tell us a little bit more, like how did it go? What did you learn some highlights, some low lights.
2: It was great. We loved it. Um, I you'll do it again. <laughs> I said I said I, I highly recommend uh, I would love to do it again one day. We so I get the summers off, which was great. So um, we had all of uh, June, July, and then well, I went back in July. but um, we vacationed a lot t- together. We did something called R1 branch where we got to go into the woods. Uh, We did the beach, which I think was the highlight for me. We were there for about a month in California. Our kids were awesome, and that was really fun. (laughs) Just that they played really well together. Nobody got sick, so that was really great, too. Does
0: uh, does, uh, Seth beach better than Ken?
2: Oh, yeah.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I do beach. I do beach. (laughs) Yeah, probably the highlight was how well our kids played together. Oh, that's great. Like, that was surprising. I think mm. Olivia's at one and a half and a lot changes between one and two a lot. And it's interesting even seeing Jay start to change slower. Mm. See, so still changing fast compared to adults, but compared to Liv, he's changing slow. And so when he first booked all the stuff, like it's gonna be a lot of parenting on the beach. And then we got there. It was not a lot of parenting on the beach cause they're playing together a ton. Oh, that's great. I, I would dig a big hole every day, like a big hole. Mm-hmm. Like We brought a real shovel and I would dig like a, a hole you could die in, you know, and
0: you got to get a workout in, right? Yeah, you got you was, beach, you beach from beach and well, gotta
1: do beach, yeah. <laughs> and then they'd play in play in this big hole I dig all day, and it was yeah. really great. That's that's a highlight. And you did a lot of reading, right? Yeah, a lot of reading. Yeah. What were any any highlights? Anything new? Uh People will hear about that a lot, whether they want to or not. Probably it's going to come out in my preaching on accident. Okay, I think. Well, then we'll just save it. Yeah. yeah. Well, I. I feel like I read a lot, but I also was. I only read fiction. Mm. And it was kind of like I read all the Lewis stuff, so the Narnia stuff, but then also his space trilogy. And then I read The Lord of the Rings. Um, I read Harry Potter, which is kind of meh compared to the other ones, but it, it got kind of. It, it greased the skids and started me, get, got me going. Uh, but there's this uh, line from C.S. Lewis where he talks about how, like, why. Uh, He's reflecting on why he wrote fairy tales. Mm. And he says, why, when I was growing up in the faith, was it so hard to feel the way the preacher said I ought to feel? And he says, I think part of it is because you can't tell the emotions what to do. You can't command the emotions. Uh, You have to show, not tell. Mm. And I think that fiction, like reading Narnia stuff, like I got teary-eyed multiple times uh, reading this so-called children's book. But Lewis also said a book worth reading only in childhood is not worth reading at all. Mm. and how he called it children's book because he just limited his vocabulary and took out stuff kids would find boring not because he's trying to patronize or write so it's like for adults but also available to children in terms of accessible and so i feel like to move the heart in a place that's congruent with the head i feel like fiction does that better than a lot of stuff mm. and i think like i experienced that reading those books
0: so was the sabbatical better than expected like did you have like a, a- predefined plan of what you're going to do or is it partly planned partly go with the flow
2: we plan i'm a we're planners i'm a planner yes (laughs) and so we 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 tried to
1: have a plan to change a plan (laughs) there you go
2: so we we tried to leave a little bit of um a a little bit of time in case uh, the coach that we had the sabbatical coach had kind of said or somebody said that you might not know what you need until you're on sabbatical. And so we did try to leave some flexibility for that. So strong, uh, but for the most part we had, we had planned. And so we had a lot to look forward to, which was great.
1: Yeah. It was, it was better than expected. And I think most of that has to do with how well our kids were generally sleeping Mm. and how well they're playing with each other. Uh, Yeah.
2: At the end we, we thought prior, you know, before starting, we thought like 12 weeks is a, big chunk of time so we'd anticipated maybe at the end that we'd be you know ready to be out of each other's space well
1: Well, I I do tend to get antsy what and Hmm. just kind of around the house looking like for stuff to do and Taylor's kind of like I have a pretty good routine with these kids and if you're kind of just being antsy in my space throwing our vibe (laughs) off you know like (laughs) it's gonna be kind of weird you know what are you gonna kind of go at you know yeah and we never really had that.
2: No, it was great. It was great. We kind of had a new routine and the kids, it was really fun. Like they got so much time with him and I feel like they, um, really enjoyed it. So it was great.
0: Did it feel like a pre- preview to retirement?
1: Yeah. Just with little kids, you
2: <laughs> know, um,
1: it did
0: with little retirement with little kids. That would be bonkers.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> few people can hope to be that wealthy, that young, I guess. Uh, but yeah, it was, it was great. It was, I feel really grateful. It mm-hmm. also feels like kind of awkward embarrassed because like nobody gets to do this. Yeah. And a lot of people needed it a lot more than we do. And so that kind of weird, like uh guilt that comes with blessing, like somebody else should have got this. Somebody else needed this more. Yeah. So it, it kind of feels weird talking about it.
0: The way that I've kind of d- described it and, and I I don't think I've had to answer it, but I, it's one of those questions I want to be prepared But I feel like as a pastor, you're carrying a way more emotional weight in your work than I would. So I work nine to five, I have colleagues, they have issues and, and, you know, we have difficult clients or whatever, but typically when I close the laptop, there's not a lot of emotional baggage that, you know, follows unless maybe I'm, I'm having difficulty, you know, with like a boss or something else like that. But I have a feeling as a pastor, you're carrying way more emotionally beyond the day into the night, into the weekend. So, I mean, as for a sabbatical, like it makes a ton of sense that our pastors, that would be available because of just
1: the emotional. What do you think? Am yeah. I off? Am I right? Yeah, I think this is not a real spiritual gift, but if, it was, if there was this fake spiritual gift, I would have it, which is the spiritual gift of compartmentalizing. Mm. I feel like I have it. You're pretty good at that. I have yeah. it, yeah. But it's still uh, taxing. Like if like at some point that compartment gets eroded and it's, it it gets especially leading into the sabbatical. Like when I first got told you're getting a sabbatical, I was like, "Cool, are you sure? Somebody else doesn't need it?" Like I feel like pretty good, Um like leading into it, you know, it's uh like your body kind of starts to mm. your nervous systems like. And if you ask people on staff, like the month before sabbatical is like. Seth's kind of, uh, yeah, I'm happy he's getting the sabbatical. That would be good for everybody. <laughs> it would be good for him, good for me too, that yeah. he gets a sabbatical. You know? <laughs> so just because I felt like looking forward to that time of rest, I was like starting to wear down a road a little bit. And uh, like Taylor would say, I'm pretty good at not like bringing it home. Mm. But there is like a form of taxing emotionally that is compartmentalizing because you're kind of, which part of my memory's brain am I tapping into here? Which part of my memory's brain am I tapping into here? And uh, that's a different type of deal.
0: So Taylor, what what letter grade would you give Seth for his uh, doing his uh, his sabbatical? A B C D A. a. Oh, he mostly, crushed
2: it! Yeah, he crushed it. Sweet. I was mostly excited. He read so many fiction books. I normally I love to read, and so I read a lot of fiction. And I call mine, I I call mine, well, fiction. And I call his real books. Like he re, he reads real, and I read fake. Um, <laughs> but So it was fun, and I I started reading, and then I also started listening, um, which is different, but I read through the Harry, or listened slash read through the Harry Potter, and now I'm doing the the Chronicles of Narnia, so that's kind of fun. We've never ever done that in marriage, read the same thing, because normally he reads things that I don't want to read, so...
0: Well, Darcy and I just, just discovered this a few years ago. We finally found a book that we both wanted to read because, yeah, we, our Venn diagram doesn't overlap very much with uh, what we like to read. So well, let's wrap up with some fun, rapid-fire questions. How do you like to Sabbath? And I know, I'm assuming you're not Sabbathing on Sunday. So when do you Sabbath, but what?
1: how do you like to Sabbath? Usually Saturday. So we get up whenever... Sometimes I wake up way too early on accident, you know, but we wake up, generally speaking, we'll go to the gym together and kind of get our energy out, get the kids' energy out and come home, especially over the summer, swim. A lot of times we'll have someone over. So we like inviting people over that our kids like to hang out with, mm-hmm. if we also like their parents. So <laughs> so there's two boxes, that, <laughs> two forms of criteria now. So we'll invite someone over, do that. Uh, until, like most of the time now, our kids still nap. So that's great so we'll try to nap uh, Jay's about fifty fifty now on that mm. when this podcast comes out it might be thirty seventy by then who knows <laughs> I don't know how backed up they're gonna be uh, and then each of our grandparents will babysit about once a month so it's pretty great we can get a sitter and go on a date night that's like our pretty ideal time yeah so I take like probably one and a half days off a week Fridays sometimes it's kind of elder meeting other stuff and so the other day's like uh, get it done around the house day. So there's there's the do whatever like our bodies and minds want to day, then there's like the yard work, rake, clean, tidy.
2: Which I really enjoy.
1: You get rest from that. Yeah. I love it. I do too. The best
2: yeah. is if there's nobody else in the house but me cleaning. <laughs> That's my favorite. Yeah, she nice. loves
1: it when I take the kids somewhere. It's like I'll go to Costco and we'll walk every aisle, take our time, to we'll be at home, having time of her life. Doing an audiobook and cleaning, mm-hmm. and I'll I'll be seeing how many times we can hit that hot dog sample before they get <laughs> catch onto us and say, "Sir, you need to leave." So.
0: No loitering, Seth. Yeah. Um, I take your phone, I take it away from you, and I strip out all the apps except for three. What are the three apps most important, or even just most fun? Like, but the, these are the three apps you need to have on your phone.
2: I like the Libby. It's called Libby. It's the it's the library where you can get books. Oh, cool. Playbooks. Okay. I just, That's a new audio, one. Audiobooks. Well, you can, audiobooks, you can get audiobooks, but you can get books to download to your Kindle, too. Oh, okay. The, the Libby? Libby? Yeah. Okay. Love that. I just found that a year ago. Awesome. Just heard of it. So, if you don't know. Yeah, you do. Yeah. Um, and then probably I use my Notes app a lot. And then Amazon.
1: And Amazon. Does that yeah. count? She also uses that
0: a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So, so uh, no texting, so.
2: Oh, does that count too? Oh, oh darn. It's yeah. an app. I'll take away notes and I'll put in texting. Sure.
1: No, be honest.
2: What? I do. <laughs> I text. What do you, you mean? Do? Yeah.
1: You're not but, always the greatest at texting people back.
2: I'm not. I'm very bad. I probably will text people within. Why Jeff- Jeffrey Why
1: you- knows I'm very good at texting
0: people back. No, just kidding, Jeffrey doesn't. He's it the well, no, he's not the worst. My kids are the worst. Like two of my kids are the worst at texting. But why do you think? Like text is it because you forget about it? You see it and you're like, oh, I'll get back to it, or it's just not your favorite form of communication.
2: So honestly, it's I. When my kids see if I pick up my phone, then they then they want to be on the phone. Oh yeah. And so I'll, I have a watch, and my the text will come through on my watch, and I'll see is it an emergency, anything I need to immediately respond to. And if not, I'll just let it sit. And the, you know, the red thing gets bigger. I have six <laughs> six messages right now, but it's fine. I, yeah. I'd yep. rather... If it's not an emergency.
0: These are the hard-hitting questions we have on this podcast.
2: So
0: <laughs> what about you, Seth?
1: What are the three apps? Uh, I like Apple News Plus. Apple News Plus app. Mm. Uh, like reading the top stuff, seeing in tune with that. Uh, I use... Uh, hold on. I just listened to whole Taylor answer this I didn't have a good answer So Apple News Plus Probably texting I do text I probably use that app more on my computer than on my phone Interesting It's a lot yeah. easier Like when I'm working it's easier to type that out And do it And probably ESPN Yeah Nice, nice. I kind of Following the hot gossip about the Steelers and the Suns And what's going on and who's stealing who And <laughs> what they think it's going to mean for us uh, fans. I probably use my Logos Bible software app a lot. I prefer that to, that's my favorite Bible app to look at. Like a verse comes to your mind, can't think of it, pop it in there and you can look up all your Greek and Hebrew words in there. Just four. ready to go.
2: You gave four. Yeah,
0: you gave four. Oh, okay. He's cheating. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Where do you like to vacation? So I give you a pile of cash anywhere in the world. Where do
1: you want to go? We go to Mission Beach, yeah, San Diego, say. every year. Yeah, I think we've I think about eight summers in a row. Nice. It's like in, it's like our mecca.
0: Is it's there a place, like, a place. Uh, like food place in Mission Beach that you like?
1: If I want a breakfast burrito, you have to go to Sarah's Burritos, mm. which is in South Mission. If yeah. you want a, a California burrito, you have to go to La Playa, which is in North Mission, flirting with Pacific Beach. Mm. Have you tried
2: Rockies? No.
1: I Have it for hamburgers. Mm. yeah, yeah, that's a great
0: place to vacation. Um, what do you find what makes you laugh more? Physical comedy or verbal comedy?
2: Physical meaning like when people fall?
0: So the yeah, yeah, kind of I mean the 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 genesis of the question is I was thinking about Seinfeld and it hits so well on both you know you have Kramer and Elaine who are very physical in their comedy, but then Jerry and you know uh, George a lot of just great verbal comedy but it's like so that that's kind of the genesis of the question
1: i feel like laughter is pretty social in my three-year-olds high on the physical comedy <laughs> mostly like what your body does comedy so <laughs> so it really depends on that but i i'm pretty cerebral in mm. my general like i think that's so funny yeah
2: I feel like physical maybe. I like watching those uh, like fail videos or America's Funniest Home Videos. That, yeah. That type. So probably physical. Taylor,
0: do you have, do you have brothers?
2: Sister. One. Uh, just okay. one. One so, sister.
0: So all of raising a boy with oh, all yeah. the, the boy humor around. It's all new to me. It's all, do you think it's funny?
2: I'm learning. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, some of it. I'm, tr- yeah, slightly. Some of it's not so funny. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, favorite, last one, favorite book of the Bible. Or right, right now, because I know for some it it changes. But right now, like, what's your favorite book of the Bible?
2: Well, I'm reading through the Psalms, so mm. we'll just go with that.
0: Perfect. And why? Well, like, what what's it? Why why is it hitting so hard right now?
2: Um, I feel like I started it when we went on sabbatical, and there were several um Psalms that I read. A lot of them, kind of what he said. I feel like there's several things that we have to be grateful in our current season, and so I feel like it's. Uh, and hitting there
1: yeah nice Probably Genesis especially like that first chunk I feel like it shapes human like all the questions of what is a human what is a man what is a woman what is marriage what is work what is purpose like all of like the big questions of life are nailed right at the very beginning in Genesis if I, I wasn't gonna say that I was gonna say proverbs mm. it's kind of practical feet on the floor. Uh, skill at life type stuff probably doesn't mind one and two Mm -hmm. i broke the rules to the question again sorry
0: that's okay well seth taylor thank you so much for being on the podcast thank you for your time we love you so much thank you for your all the contribution to our church and to our kids our ninth grade girls for those of you who are listening we love you thank you for just um, taking the time to listen to our podcast we hope you felt um, encouraged and maybe a little entertained Um, But we are thankful for technology to be able to equip the saints. In Jesus' name, amen.